Welcome to season two of Hey, What's a Good Book to Read? This season, every other Wednesday, we're going to come out with a new episode. Occasionally, we may throw in a bonus episode, but for the most part, it's going to be every other Wednesday that there will be a new episode in the morning for you. Today, I'm going to cover some old horror novels from uh, 1967 to 83. Possession is really big during this time period. Actually, I won't necessarily go with Possession, uh, just more biblical in general. Now, what I'm trying to say is horror that is religion-based. Yes, I guess that is what I'm trying to say, horror that is religion-based. We go through phases in culture, not, not necessarily American culture, but just uh, pop culture. Um, for a long time in the 90s, there were a million movies that had to deal with parties and teenagers, and we've gotten completely away from that. And that was some really, really good movies. I just, I don't know why we stopped doing it, but I laughed for about 10 solid years just watching those. But specifically in the horror genre, uh, there was a long period of time where we had monsters. So you have monsters mixed with lore. You've got vampires and werewolves and, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, things like that. Then you had this um, religious time period in horror uh, where you have possession and the end of times and a lot of it is full of scripture. And then we move on to slashers. Slasher stayed the popular thing for a significant amount of time. I really enjoyed that time period. I, I've always said I was not necessarily born in the wrong time period, but a teenager in the wrong time period. Uh, recently, there's been a run of Possession movies again, where it stays almost entirely fixed on Possession. But I feel like it's a different kind of Possession than they used to do. Uh, I like all of the time periods, though. Uh, I love possession stories that give me some background and a whole lot of biblical references. I like that time period. I like that um, religious-based horror. Uh, I want to cover a couple of those books today. The reason that I bring up the movie faces that we seem to go through in pop culture is that these books were actually written specifically to be movies. I'm going to kick off the discussion with Rosemary's Baby by Ira Levin. Just so you guys know, if you don't know anything about uh, this time period, you can watch the movie and they do a really good job giving you some fashion and some house decorations from then. And if you're going for a retro style in your life, this is the movie to, to watch. It will really give you some great ideas. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was excellent. The movie runs pretty close to the book. Uh, no notable differences that I could come up with, but I honestly felt way more emotion in the book. I felt so scared for Rosemary. She is completely alone in this huge city. She's a country girl who doesn't have the support of her family at all. They barely talk to her anymore, which is kind of hard uh, for from someone who's been raised in the country, if I were to go far away and not have my family's support, I would feel very much alone, particularly when everyone around me is telling me, oh, it's fine, we've got you, you're being crazy, just just go with it, we know what's best for you. I probably would. I probably would just go with it. And that's especially during this time period. She has no other frame of reference to go from. She doesn't know she's being crazy. And she, at some points, does think it's just her. 
and her emotional instability. And I probably would too, considering that everyone around her is older. They're more cultured. They know they've done all these things that she's never done. And they're telling her, hey, you're just being crazy. And I would probably believe that. I'm getting just a little ahead of myself, but the book centers around a couple that is newly married and on best behavior. They get their dream apartment in a complex with a highly successful group of individuals. Guy, who is the husband, uh, Rosemary's husband, is thrilled because they can seriously help further his career as an actor. Uh, Unfortunately, all of the occupants are really, really old and incredibly peculiar And for some reason, Guy only wants to hang out with them. He doesn't want to see any of their old friends anymore. He also begins to, little by little, seclude Rosemary from all of her friends, too. So it's not just him. He's he's trying to make it so neither one of them spend time with other people. Then, uh, being in this building, for some reason, starts a string of good luck for Guy. He loves it, but Rosemary isn't so sure that these are good things. So one night, there is a particularly strange encounter, and then Rosemary becomes pregnant. And although everyone at the apartment complex seems thrilled, each encounter that they have with the other occupants makes Rosemary more and more uncomfortable and sure that something is wrong. These people are weird, and they are way too involved in Rosemary and Guy's life. Guy is completely fine with it, but Rosemary cannot stand it. She knows there's a problem. She tries several times to get away, but these people are everywhere, and it seems to everyone that they only want what's best for her, and that she's just being a hysterical woman with pregnancy hormones, and they start to gaslight Rosemary into thinking that maybe she is the problem. Rosemary is absolutely terrified. She's completely overwhelmed, and if you haven't watched the movie, don't. Read the book first. Go into it with an open mind and pretend that you don't know anything about it. It's so good. It's not factual when it comes to biblical prophecy, but I was totally ready to accept that considering the plot and all the twists and turns. It was an excellent read. Put yourself in the time period and don't get in your own head. Just let the story flow and go with it. Don't ask too many questions uh, or read too much into it. You will love it. So if you're looking for a book that scares you to death and makes you question your own sanity, then this is a good book for you. And again, it's Rosemary's Baby by Ira Levin. Now let's talk about The Omen by David Seltzer. There are a series of them, and they were written with the intention of turning them into movies. I believe there is five of them total. Uh, I'm only going to talk about the first one today. I thought it was excellent. I loved it. I liked it better than the movie, even though it's it runs almost exactly the, the same way. Um literally adapted exactly like it is in the book but i enjoy putting my own people into the characters and casting my friends so much better than when it's cast for me i just think it really helps the emotions run so much deeper Uh, but not everyone feels that way a lot of people will say outright that they like the books uh less than they did the movies uh because they because the casting was good but in my opinion this time the book was better Now, you guys are going to think this is morbid, but I joke and have joked for years with my daughter and called her Lucifer, and then I started calling her Damien, much to her grandparents and my siblings' irritation. Um, It started with me calling her Lucy, and then Lucifer, and then Damien, and she has never appreciated uh, the elaborate timeline that I have also constructed for her 
based on biblical references and her lifespan. Uh, she's never found that funny, but I do. So I continue to make those jokes. And then she saw that I was reading this and she's like, really, mom, are you coming up with plans? Are the jokes flowing outward? So um, when she sees me reading things like this, it's always a running joke between us. And uh, it most of the time it annoys her because she knows that I'm getting ready to, to start zinging her again. That's just a little side story I thought I'd include you guys in on. At some point, I was like, you know, if I'm in the hospital, T, it's okay if you don't visit. We'll, you know, we'll work it out, and I'll see you afterward. Anyway, back to the book. So, the concept for the Antichrist is now a pretty common thing, but imagine coming up with that for the first time and from the perspective of the parents of, of the Antichrist. Uh, now, they've done a full TV series on the Omen, which follows him throughout his teenage years into his young adulthood. I don't think the show got anywhere near what it deserved. It was really underrated. I thought it was good, but it only lasted one season and didn't get great reviews. Personally, however, if you like the book or the movies, I would recommend giving it a try. Anyway, I think like 90% of the population knows what The Omen is about. It's about an American ambassador and his wife who have struggled with conception, and now they have a child, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, we go with the family throughout Damien's childhood because it's extremely peculiar. At some point, certain people begin to su- I'm sorry, suspect that he's uh, the Antichrist and they want to try to stop him. And now I want you to imagine you are his parents and how you would feel about people telling you your child is evil and going so far as to saying that he needed to be m- killed, basically murdered, and possibly by you. Imagine how you would feel about that. We go through this journey that has a lot of biblical references, um, though I won't say the entire book is based on historical, well, not historical facts, but um, written written facts about how it's supposed to go. It does run closest to what I've read. There are a couple spots that are far-fetched, but overall, I thought it was excellent. The details and the journey are so interesting. I really liked reading about the scenarios that they find themselves in. They put me on the edge of my seat. I had to know what happened next, even though I already knew what happened next. Um, a couple of things that really stood out to me were that the were that Thorne, who is Damien's dad, doesn't know what an exorcism is. Um, I wondered if that was common at the time for people to just not know. Um, this would have been 1976. Uh, the book and the movie, The Exorcist, were already out. So, I wondered if the average person should know what exorcisms um, consisted of, I guess. Uh, My mom said that until she watched um, The Exorcist, uh, which she watched while it was still in the theater, uh, amidst a throng of protesters, she said, which I also found really weird. um, But she said that was the first time she had ever heard of an exorcism. Also, the photographer says that he has relations um, with some hookers and does not protect himself. Um, And his solution to this is to pee into his hands and clean his um, area with it. I have never heard of this uh, curing STDs. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to Google that. That seems like a bad idea to put into my search history. So, if any of you have heard of it, I'm curious as to your thoughts. There is no way that that just cures all STDs or people would do it 
more often, it would be more heard of, but maybe it kills something. I, I don't know what the science behind it is. And if any of you do, I would love to hear about that. Shoot me an email at what's a good book at outlook.com. Also, a side note that goes with my previous question, I guess, is when I talked to my mom, she would have been about 24 when uh, the when this movie came out. And she had been to college and, you know, was teaching then. So I, I guess it really wasn't very well known at the time. Uh, but I would love to hear um, some of maybe some of our older listeners, what their thoughts were. Uh, if they knew what an exorcism was when they found out about it. Because in my lifetime, everybody just knows. So uh, I'm curious as to when that became normal. Finally, one more thing I wanted to talk about. I was surprised at the inability they had to travel. If Thorne hadn't been in such a high position of power, they probably wouldn't have been able to leave the country at all. You don't realize how much the internet does for you until you read about a time when it wasn't there. I remember going on vacation without any plans, driving to the beach and praying someone had a room, driving to the game or the concert and driving back because no one did have a room. So finding a flight to these weird parts of the world the next day or that evening would have been quite difficult for the average person. But luckily he was very well connected, but he just traveled to places I, I hadn't even heard of and he's able to get a room and he is able to make the flights, but only because of his connections as a politician. And I, I just found that really interesting. I, I like thinking about things like that. Um, so anyway, if you are looking for a book about the Antichrist and some of the end of times and something that has constant anxiety and just front to back action, then this is a good book for you. And again, that is The Omen by David Seltzer. Now let's move on to The Exorcist by William Peter Blady. I also read Legion, which is the sequel to this book. Um, there is also a book that I think follows the storyline somewhat. It's often included with it. It's called The Ninth Configuration, also by William, P <clears throat> William Peter Blady. I have not read it. I actually didn't know about it until I started um, doing this, this particular podcast. So if you have, let me know how it fits into this storyline and what you thought about it. I did read Legion, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But back to The Exorcist. Most horror fans have seen this movie. It's horribly dark, and it's one of the few movies and books that has actually made me very uncomfortable. But uh, it, it And it did make me uncomfortable. I did like it. I liked both the book and the movie. The story follows a preteen girl who starts acting increasingly weird, and that is definitely an understatement. Her mom is basically a single mom because her dad doesn't really see her very much, and he rarely calls, though he does occasionally send a present. Chris, who is her mom, is an actress, and she's an atheist. She has a large variety of friends who are um, either atheists or who are into different religions, uh, one of which I believe is a witch, if I'm not mistaken. Reagan is her daughter. Um, she makes a scene at a party that Chris is having, and several of her friends make suggestions for Chris to, you know, to help her deal with what's going on. She takes her to as many medical professionals as she possibly can to no avail. Eventually, one of the doctors suggests a priest, not because he thinks she's possessed, 
but he believes that Reagan has invented this whole thing in her head that she is possessed. So if she gets an exorcism, the symptoms will disappear on their own. At this point, Chris is completely at the end of her rope. She is ready to try anything. Now we bring in Damien Karras. We get quite a bit of background on him. He's really struggling as a Jesuit priest. He's having personal issues as well as actually just outright questioning his faith. Several strange events as well as a couple of unexplained deaths happen. And now we have to bring in a detective um, who is Jewish and he is charged with investigating these, um, well, they're, they're deaths, they're not murders, but he's, he's got to investigate them because they are suspicious. Things get really bad after that. Um, I'll let you read from here. It was an excellent book and it flows pretty close to the movie. Um, I felt the same way about it as I did The Omen. The situations were much more intense and I couldn't wait to get into the meat of the story and, and get to the emotions. I couldn't wait to get to the ending. Once again, even if you've watched the movie a hundred times, I will suggest that you read the book. So many excellent details that get passed over, I think, in the movie. Something I do like about it is that you do have different religions. You have um, the Jewish detective and then Catholic priest and the witch. And Chris is an atheist. And we just have that mix of religions with the possession. And I like that a whole lot. I very much appreciated that concept. One of the problems I did have is that I didn't find a character that I liked. And I'm not a fan of the detective. Um, so keep that in mind. There are a lot of triggers in the book. Reagan says things that are extremely sacrilegious. Keep that in mind. Um, she also says and does things that reading about such a young kid doing will make you very uncomfortable. So also keep that in mind. Um, but if you're looking for an excellent demon possession book, then this is a good book for you. And again, that's The Exorcist by William Peter Blady. Okay, let's talk about Legion by William Peter Blady. This is the sequel to The Exorcist. It centers around the detective from The Exorcist. Um, his name is Kinderman. I don't know. Uh, hopefully you remember him. He's a big part of The Exorcist. Um, he's, he is Jewish, and he's at the point in his life where he's questioning everything. He believes in God, but he's just trying to look for reasoning. And he starts explaining why you should believe in God to himself, just rationalizing it out. Uh, I will tell you that I got tired of that real quick. His colleagues, actually, it's it's mostly his subordinates. They think he's losing it or that he's going senile. He is older, and he's always talking about this stuff, and it just comes out of nowhere. And he randomly will start talking about trees or the brain, and they get worried about him, and they talk about that in the book. Um, but he is still the best detective in the entire area. Uh, there's a murder that takes place that resembles the Gemini killer's MO. It was a case that he knew about previously. But this guy, the guy that was the uh, Gemini killer, is supposedly dead. So now Kinderman is in a panic. Um, maybe the guy didn't die. Or maybe it was never the person they suspected at all. Um, an older lady with dementia is also found near this crime scene of, of this first murder. She has gotten out of the non-violent part of the local psych ward, and nobody knows how she got out, but uh, Kinderman discovers several links between that murder and the other murders that follow, because there is more than one, 
uh, one of which hits very close to home for Kinderman and to the Raiders. So uh, he's finding links between these murders and the psych ward. Now Kinderman is having a real problem because he's having this afterlife dilemma as it is, and then he gets all this thrown at him. So he begins to work uh, with the doctors at the psych ward, and then he comes in contact with someone from the first book. Okay, guys, so I'll be honest with you. I did not love this book. It wasn't nearly as good as The Exorcist, and that got written in a huge rush so that it could go into the movie deal right away. But I just thought this book had too much padding. I was really bored several times. And you should never be bored when you're reading these kinds of books. But, you know, that's just me. The storyline was good. I will say that there were several completely out-of-the-blue plot twists that I, that I did very much enjoy. I love the ending. I am just not a fan of Kinderman. I don't like his character, and I hate that, but I don't. However... If you enjoy possession reads, if you're looking for something that discusses the pros and cons of an afterlife and the existence of God, and if you enjoy a murder mystery with a really big twist, then this is a good book for you. And again, it's Legion by William Peter Blady. And I did want to mention that you can absolutely read this book without having read The Exorcist, so keep that in mind. You may be a little lost, but you'll get the basic concept of it. Before I close out the episode, I have a basic question. I am constantly trying to expand my knowledge on religion. I just think it's a fascinating concept, and I want to know about all religions. Um, But in the novel, in uh, The Omen, Thorne asks a rabbi for help because that is the closest place that he can get into. But the rabbi doesn't believe in the devil, and he can't help Thorne because he doesn't think Damien could possibly be the Antichrist. So here's my question. I do know that the Jewish culture believes in possession. um, And I know that they believe in evil beings. Um, There was Baal and there's several other evil beings in the Old Testament. Um, And there's also Dybbuk boxes and, and just different things. So I know about that. So my question is, what does the Jewish culture use to expel demons? Christian... Culture uses crosses and holy water, that kind of thing. What do Jewish authorities use? And yes, I could Google it and probably get a decent answer. I'd rather hear it from our listeners. I'd love it if someone would email me and give me a a pretty good response to it. And that's at whatsagoodbook at outlook.com. Before I let you guys go, I wanted to make one quick note. I was very surprised at the fact that people don't realize how few exorcisms there are. There are like less than 10 a year. Uh, Probably not even that. There are very few people who are qualified to do exorcisms because there's no need for people to do exorcisms. For the most part, people don't get possessed or I guess it can't be proven that they're possessed and the signs lead elsewhere. 10 per year worldwide is an incredibly high estimate for the record. So I'm also curious if everybody was aware of that. If this is news to you, let me know. Send me an email and be like, hey, that's the first time I realized that. I didn't think about that statistic. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I'm sure I won't get that email, but I just wanted to throw it out there. I have one final question and then I'll close out the episode. 
In the Bible, when demons are expelled, um, Jesus does it, the disciples do it, and they do it with, I, I think it's through faith, mostly it's just they know they can do it, they do it, and the demons leave the body. Now we have rites and passages and scriptures, and we use crucifixes and holy water in, in Christianity, I mean. When did that start? How did that come about? I, I don't know. I would love to study that, so if you have any of that information, Email it to me. I'd love to read it at what's a good book at outlook.com. And I know you guys are getting frustrated with me, but I also wanted to tell you this one thing and then I will close the episode. I promise. When the movie The Exorcist came out, not a lot was known about possession and exorcisms and definitely not about actual exorcists. So when it hit theaters, there were a lot of protesters because the movie was deemed sacrilegious. Just to watch it, People were condemning you to hell right outside the theaters. My mom actually went to watch the movie. She saw the protesters. This is firsthand information. Okay, not firsthand. I wasn't there, but you know what I'm saying. So keep that in mind. If you do decide to read the book, a lot of the material is hard to read if you're a Christian. So just bear that in mind. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.